0: People say nothing from today will still remain I'll be the same, but I believe the mystery runs deeper,
1: the road ahead is caught. say Think of all the
2: welcome to the strange brew podcast my name is jason barnard and that was kiki d and carmelo lugeri and the long ride home from their most recent album a huge welcome kiki and carmelo hi jason. thank
0: you thanks very much
2: carmelo lugeri yeah my west yorkshire <laughs> dialect doesn't is it of italian origin He actually
0: actually does a very good Yorkshire accent. Oh, it's not bad. Even
2: though he's Italian. I get accused of being from Wakefield. Ah, (laughs) that's very close to where I am at the minute. uh, Ah, there you go. (laughs) I really wanted to talk to you firstly about the title track of your latest album, because um, for me, that's one of the highlights from that album. In terms of the lyrical element, is that about following your own path in life and really being conscious of being in the moment and where you're going?
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose that I'm the main lyricist, although we do collaborate yeah. together on the music as well. I think it's about sometimes you have to um, be independent. You have to do it for yourself. You know, the long ride home is yours alone to find. Yeah, it's that kind of part of us that is alone, actually.
2: Right.
0: Also, there's some references, although they're very subtle, to, you know, think of what you're saying, you know, social media, the world as it is. So there's hidden messages in there as well, you know.
2: And Carmelo, the, the songwriting process generally—how does that work? Do you come up with um, the melody or the guitar phrase first, and, and then Kiki the, the lyrics on top, or we haven't really got
3: a set way of working? Usually, the ideas, Mark, would come out of a, you know, a guitar riff or whatever. And uh, sometimes, I mean, I get Kiki to record any idea that she has into a phone you know just anything and i sift through them and sometimes that might spark an idea or i might have a guitar riff you know we kind of record everything and then start sifting through and like a winner starts to come forward but that one funnily enough yeah i was watching the telly and uh I, I just recorded that um i had a couple of lines and and just went around it played it to keek and next thing you know she'd Turned it into a proper song, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but uh, we're pre- we are pleased with that ourselves, to be honest. In the terms of the recording, you know, uh, often we talk about because when we play live, of course, there's only the two of us, and um, there's very stripped down versions, and but uh, uh, that's got like quite a lot on it, and um, well, we're particularly pleased. And uh, I mean, I had a bit of a purple patch uh, when I decided to do the reprise. You know, sometimes we could be in the studio days trying to come up with something and one afternoon and evening and I just had this idea and it all just for once, you know, it all just came together really quickly. And I was like on fire, you know, and I, I thought, wow, that's brilliant. Even though, you know, it's great when you can do that, when you yourself are really pleased with what's come out, you know, and I guess that's all part of the creative process. And occasionally you get some really, that's all part of it, the great moments. Other times I could be in all day deciding on a part or a sound and going, ah, it's not really working, you know, and you come in the next day, boom, within seconds, you've got it. So we see the recording, the writing, the recording and the live as quite separate sort of mediums, really. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, there's, uh, there's extra textures on some of the material as well. Uh, what you wish for yeah. from the album as well is it a case in point. And in a good way... In terms of the sound of the record, I can hear elements of country, there's Indian, there's Latin. You seem to pull from... Yeah.
3: Well, you've got good ears.
2: <laughs> to be honest,
3: Jason, we kind of wrestle with it a little bit. The recording process on that album, we'd started out with the idea of doing quite a strip down, even though recorded, there would be some things on there. But I just keep trying things out and then and then liking what we're hearing and it just develops, but we wrestle with the fact that quite often you might find, you know, an album that you might buy has an identity all the way through. Even well-known bands, you know, and after the first couple of tracks, the sound and the ideas will be pretty similar from start to end. We worry that we're quite broad, but then we go, well, that's what we do. And even live, we cover so many areas musically it's what it is. Yeah, I started doing a bit of slide and, and using a bit of pedal steel. I thought, oh, I really like this, you know. Our earlier albums, we did a, an album in the late 90s called Where Rivers Meet, which was a real east-west in a lot of Indian. And those Indian influences stayed with the subsequent albums, but less and less. There's yeah. a bit of it. To start with, all we're trying to do is please ourselves, really. What's important is that Kiki and I Love what we've done, and when we've done that, then the hope is that you put it out there, and maybe we can get some other uh, people—you know—people to love it too. But nothing comes out of this studio unless Kiki and I, you know, are in love with it. The privilege
0: of age. Yeah. Well, yeah.
3: It's quite an interesting question that you've posed there. And uh, we used to have a manager called Steve Brown, a wonderful man, and. uh, I mean, he'd say the needle. That's how long ago he was talking, you know, oh, you know, when you make an album, wherever it drops on the album, the needle drops, you should know where it is. And those words still go around in our minds. I mean, with 29 years we've been working together and we've only got four studio albums, but we love each one and we still make an album in its entirety, hopefully, be in this day and age maybe not but to be listened to from start to finish so when you started talking you've obviously listened and you've listened well and we really appreciate that
2: Quite a remarkable thing that you both do in that. Yeah, uh, there is that diverse range of influences, but as you say, it does all hang together in your live performances as well. Because I'm aware that you you tour a lot, and it's definitely worth mentioning that you've got quite a lot of UK dates coming up from September into November. Yeah, yeah. As well as that consistency of sound, but pulling in influences in terms of your own material live, you also in, interestingly pull in some great versions of other artists' songs you were doing running up that hill the Kate Bush song long before we came to prominence in recent years yeah it came back <laughs> yeah.
0: we actually did send it
2: our version of it to
0: Kate Bush and uh yeah. we got a lovely Christmas card back saying I really like it and I think what she liked was that it wasn't any it wasn't a copy it wasn't a steal it was just taking this beautiful song she'd written and giving it a Twist, if you like. And that was complimentary, wasn't it? Mm,
3: very, yeah. it shows these days, I'm often saying, you know, when we talk about it, I say this is a keeper because we have been doing it a while and we're often, we try lots of ideas and some of them might stay in the set for a while and then we move on to something else. But we almost think we've written it ourselves that one. <laughs> and I love that arrangement. And sometimes when we're rehearsing, I might, you know, in our studio here, I might be, uh, Set up, and I'll be playing, and I'm waiting for Kiki to arrive. You know, when she comes in, and she, as soon as she starts singing, it's like, oh yeah, it's, well, it's so lovely. Day, no, it's, it's great. <laughs> I, I have to point out what is remarkable about that arrangement. Uh, Kiki's vocals—you know, she, there's hardly any lines that are exactly the same. Kiki's messed about with that, and she's just done that spontaneously. You know, now she's sat next to me, but one of her many gifts, her improvisational abilities are astounding you know she can really just twist a melody up down across you know and I'm going wow that's great you know so that one
2: yeah that's a keeper (laughs) you mentioned about only only doing four studio albums but the amount of live dates that you've done it seems like you thrive in that live setting
0: thank you yeah I mean I think I speak for both of us when I say that It's all about connection with the audience and hoping that you'll get an emotional response and people can identify um, with the lyric and the music. We seem to manage it, and it's always a challenge, actually. I'm always a little bit nervous before I go on, and I think, you know, after 60 years, that's no bad thing. I think it means that you're still trying to push it and not just phone everything in. But thanks, yeah, we we do try. And because there's only two of us up there, there is a lot of space in the music which, you know, can be quite magical.
3: I kept getting accused of uh, copying that red-headed guy (laughs) with my loop pedal and everything. I've mean, i had one for years and years, and that's really helped us to expand our sound a bit. But if I just took the last couple of weeks, we've done three completely different environments. We played uh, the end of July, we played in Kings Lynn in a beautiful, really old medieval theatre, and that was our normal show as such, our longer show. Uh, and then we were on a ship. We played for one night on a on a cruise ship, and we still did uh, some of our original stuff as well. Which was when we were surrounded by quite a lot of how can I put it tribute acts. It was quite hard to mm. say so, no. We this is our path. And and then last week, uh, like we played at Cropperty Festival, you know, Fairport. Kind of, so an outdoor festival. So theatre ship outdoor festival but yet we're, yes. we're, but yeah uh, I, I think um maybe a little bit sparked off from covid you know because that we had to cancel 44 shows right. when and that will be like many people had to and when we started gigging again and a, a kind of a realization how can i put this in the nicest way that you know we're of a certain age and we better get going and keep, we want to do, we just love it and want to do this while we can because health, I mean, yeah. health can get in the way sometimes, you know? And so our agent keeps uh, feed, feeding us these shows. And we go, yeah, let's do it. But there comes a moment when you're on stage where when it's going well, you just, you could just play all night and you get the connection that Kiki was talking about. You know, it's, that is what we strive for. Uh, we do get it every, every time we play, but, there is a little part of you, as Kiki said, before we go on, you, especially when you're doing original stuff. And we have to have a little chat before we go on, you know, even after all these years, to kind of reaff- reaffirm why are we here? What are we trying to do? What are we trying to achieve? And I guess every artist has a little bit of thinking, oh, my God, they might throw tomatoes at us or whatever, you know. But it it's to go on and sink right into where you are with the music, in your gut in in your feeling you know for me and kiki to connect you've got to connect with yourself first then kiki and i to connect and then you put it out there and you wish and hope that they come to you and sooner or later they usually do and it's the best it's a great feeling that is why you're doing it
1: doesn't hurt me Do you want to feel how it feels Do you want to know it doesn't hurt me Do you want to hear about the deal I'm making You If I only could make a deal with God, I'd get him to swap up places. Be running up that road, running up that hill, running up that building. If I only To hurt me let's see how deep the bullet lies Hello I'm tearing you asunder. There is thunder in our heart. Is there so much hate for the ones we love? Tell me we A deal with God and get him to swap up places be run-
2: interesting that you mentioned that point about connection for me some of the greatest songwriters are able to emote the feelings of their life or an element of their life and, and then convey that to the listener and, and that's the bit where magic happens one of the examples that you did as a duo was uh she's smiling now a mother song from uh oh yeah your album a place where i can go so that yeah kiki that was about your mother wasn't it
0: yeah i'm, I'm so i love singing that song because You always get someone after the show going, oh, I totally got that song. It made me think of my mom. And it's about the glory of, you know, the privilege, actually, of making it to old age. And my mom, actually, when she was 80 and we lost my dad, moved into an apartment and um, she suddenly wasn't just a mom. She was Mary, this lady, and she had friends and they went on trips and they did things together. And uh, I think, yeah, sometimes you tend to think of your parents as just being your mum and dad. Yeah. And you don't always think of them as people outside. And that's really what that song's about.
2: And you're from a very down to earth upbringing, which, which the bonus of that is just keeps you very level-headed. Oh, God, Despite yeah. all the...
0: Absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine who I'd be if I hadn't have had that stability. Yeah, because it's a crazy old business, the music industry. You know, I don't feel like I'm in the industry anymore. I feel like I'm just an artist now which is great you know but yeah I was definitely plucked out of bradford when I was 16 and given a new name and all that stuff and so yeah it was quite a tough teenage life but having said that imagine being 16 and arriving in london in 63 mm-hmm. when everything was kicking off and it was just magical actually um yeah the atmosphere in the city for a teenager was quite something.
1: Oh, she's smiling now She has broken down All her barriers All her day Oh, it thrills me so See her shining so bright No regret, she says, will touch her life It was a long time coming But she flowered in time Every day is a playground on abandoned empty choose. In the midst of something It's never too late to fall in love with life again.
2: Were spotted singing live in Leeds about sixty years ago, weren't you? <laughs> Sounds <laughs> gone, gone, gone. Not so uh, vintage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, there was a. It's not there anymore, but the Astoria Ballroom, and they had a dance band. I'm not quite sure how I got the gig, but I, I was working at Boots Chemist. I did Carmela calls it a proper job. I did that for three months, twelve weeks, on the men's counter. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the bestseller was Wilkinson's sword edge razor blades but anyway uh, that wasn't destined to be my life um yeah i worked three times a week at the astoria with this band and we did things like you know 40s jazz covers like i wish you love standards and pop songs of the day and yeah it was it was quite something i mean i obviously had the ears uh from a young age or i wouldn't have been able to sing with that kind of setup but yeah, well, I'm trying to go back. The reason I've never written a book is uh, my memory's rubbish, <laughs> but it keeps me young, you know, it keeps me moving on in the moment and beyond, you know.
2: Your debut single, I think, was Early Night, which does hold up. The songwriter Mitch Murray, he was influential in, in that early period, wasn't he?
0: He was a big songwriter, yeah. And in fact, I went to a, a birthday party of Gary Osborne, who wrote the lyric to Amoreuse, my first Top of the Pops. Yay! Yeah. And Mitch Murray was there, and he, and this is not long ago, a couple of years ago. And um, Mitch Murray and I were chatting, and he said, you know, I was at the audition, and uh, he happened to be in the office of the record company Fontana Records uh, near Marble Arts, actually. Jack said to Mitch, listen, will you stay? Because I'm auditioning this girl from Yorkshire. I and mean, he wasn't really that up for it, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and Mitch stayed. And then apparently Mitch said, he said to Jack, well, you're going to have a problem now. You're going to have to sign her, aren't you? <laughs> so it was, you know, one of those bizarre things. And it was a bit like a movie because my dad and I drove down to, uh, I think we stayed in a BnB and b in Finchley. And, uh, you know, we went... Uh, hip and I did this audition can't remember what I sang actually and uh, you see that's typical can't remember and um, yeah got the audition got the part as they say and that was it
1: I adored the music and all the
2: You were very active in the 60s. A number of your songs were hits on, on some of the pirate stations. And there's some great footage in films that you were in with the, like, the small faces. It must have been very exciting. That film,
0: it was uh, Ken Cope starred in it and the actor. And it was supposed to be about, um, I think it was about smuggling drugs on a pirate radio ship. There's a couple of funny scenes in it where I'm singing away in a nightclub and there's about a 60-piece orchestra <laughs> and I'm just standing there on my own mind. But uh, yeah, it was, I mean, to be in a movie, I've never actually spoken in a movie, I've never had dialogue, but uh, to sing, you know, like that was quite something. I must say, um, in the 60s, I ne- you know, because everything was going on, there was all the Britpop girls like Sandy, Silla Lulu, and they were all getting hits. And I I never really thought anybody heard my music until in the early 70s, I found out that some of my songs were Northern Soul hits.
2: And that like on a magic carpet ride? That's one of them, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, apparently it's about 500. If you've got an original single, it's worth about 500. i heard,
3: it's more now. Someone said in the no. thousands the other day. Because there's loads of reissues, but the, if you've got the original, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's bonkers, isn't it? But, you know, I think we're coming back again to that tenacity. I think I must have had a lot of tenacity because, you know, you always, they always say successful people fail the most. I love these little sayings, you know, because if you're not in the ring, you won't get knocked over, you know. And I just kept bouncing up again and I must have believed deep down that I was going to make it if, if there was such a thing. <laughs>
1: say flower
2: We're also backing vocals for a a lot of hit records as well. I think even one of them might have been "Everlasting Love. Yeah. About A Love Affair and singing on some of Dusty's material, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, Dusty, well, I was a huge uh, Springfields fan when I was 13, 14 and uh, loved her, loved her look with the big skirts and the hair and loved the harmonies that they did. And when the record company found me a manager, personal manager for my career, two weeks after he signed me, he signed Dusty. So I got to sing on a lovely track she did called "Some of Your Loving," a song by Carol King, and I think it's a beautiful vocal. If you listen to Dusty's voice, she just sounds so comfortable on it. And I got to sing some of the backups with with a great singer Madeline Bell, who's still a friend to this day. So
2: little by little, didn't you? Little by
0: little, I did as yeah, well. Yeah.
2: yeah one of the, the great things is I've had a, a series of a, a box sets covering some of the material that you had before you had a, a range of hit records, and some of that also included the material that you recorded with Motown in the late 60s, early 70s, which, is, which really holds up. The day will come between Sunday and Monday is, uh, is one of my highlights. Oh, I
0: love that track.
2: Without going on too much, I
0: got three-month stint in Detroit when I was about 20, and uh, they invited me over there. I thought it was a wind-up, but they did. When you were a fledgling artist with a label at the time, they used to give you other people's backing tracks. So there was a track that had been recorded by Sarita Wright, who married Stevie Wonder. And, uh, of course, it was in her key. So at the end of the song, I'm the only one who knows this, but I'm... St- <laughs> <laughs> up there, you know. But what was lovely about The Day Will Come Between Sunday and Monday uh, was that it was one of the four tracks that was recorded for me in the original studio, right. which is now uh, the museum of Uh And yeah, that was tailor-made for my key. And I'm quite proud of that vocal, actually, because it's very wordy.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It was written, I'm pretty sure, by an English girl called Pam Sawyer, who went over to America quite young. And and did quite, she wrote the lyric to Love Child, and Ross, and she did quite a lot of in-house writing for them. Mm-hmm. And she was lovely. And my producer was... Frank Wilson who had one of the early hits on Motown um, Do I Love You Did I Do and then he went on to yeah. be a producer and another amazing experience you mm-hmm. know for a young woman um, whew, yeah amazing
1: Children forget the sweet taste of ice cream. The day will come between Sunday and Monday, boy. The day will come between Sunday.
2: signed to his label, Rocket, but just as important, encouraging you as a songwriter, loving and free, for example. Brilliant song, a shift in sound, a bit more singer-songwriter. It must have been so encouraging that you've got someone who, who really believed in you.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're exactly the same age, although I'm three weeks older than he is, although I don't let him forget that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Elton's a force, isn't he? We all know he's a huge force. And, uh, you know, he was... Very, very sportive. I mean, he produced two albums on Rocket between 73 and 78 on me and uh, got me writing. And I remember playing Loving and Free to him, you know, with shaking hands. And uh, that was like a good title for something. And, um, yeah, and uh, he loved it. And it became the title of the album. And we always get the fans singing it at the end of our show, which is so lovely because people seem to know the lyrics because it's such a simple song and... I always say to the audience now, um, you know, it's interesting singing this song that was written when I was twenty twenty-one about how I felt and singing it now at my age, you know, 60 years on. Uh, but it kind of still holds up in its simplicity, I think, and thank you for liking it.
1: like the knots in a string eager to be where my life can begin out of the shadow and into the sun so many things that I should have done I wish
2: From that the period and ultimately getting you a huge hit was Amarose, an incredible record. The production on it, the sound of the record and the vocals and, and the backing is, is immaculate. And that's tied to a lyric that is so mature as well. So that was Gary Osborne yeah. putting those French lyrics beautifully into English
0: the only line he took from french was i feel the rainfall of another planet right but he completely changed the rest and uh written by a lady called Veronique Sanson who's still a big star in france yeah. and um yeah i mean how fabulous to get a hit record finally with a great song with an everlasting song because it could have been you know something quite commercial and disposable so i'm always grateful <laughs> and as you say the production the way it builds up, uh, we were just saying, Kamala was saying earlier, we did the Coperty Festival last weekend in Oxfordshire. And uh, Dave Mattox, who played drums on our lyrics, yeah. was there because he works with Fairport Convention. And he actually got up and jammed with us uh, with one of Robert Plant's band, uh, Saving Grace, Tony Kelsey. So we had Dave on drums and Tony Kelsey on electric guitar and I've Got Music in Me. So that was really great because we don't often collaborate live do we so mm. it was quite something but yeah beautiful production on mrs and all power to elton and clive franks he produced the two albums with a guy clive franks who was his sound engineer for 35 years live
1: Change the night through an open door I'm awake but this is not my home For the first time I'm not alone Reaching out I touch another skin i hey.
2: And then moving into I've Got the Music in Me, labelled as the Kiki D band. I've just been watching some of the live videos from that period and you were presented very much as a group. What was the uh, background behind moving from Kiki D to the band?
0: Do you know, it was um, Elton had produced Loving, the Loving and Free album and and then um, because I was on Rocket, um, Gus Dudgeon came in to produce and uh, actually he did produce Don't Go Breaking My Heart, but that's later. But um, I think it was just an involvement of, again, you know, I think if you're a band or if you like Kamala Tiki and Kamala Jerry, it says that you're in, in the music, it says that you're doing it for the music. And I think that was part of the reason and that we did have a band. It didn't, I mean, it didn't keep going, you know, which in some ways was a shame. But I did get, we did get to tour with Elton John around America a couple of times. And that was quite something. And. I think what got, I've got the music in me into the American charts was the fact that we were doing all these stadium gigs, doing a 45 minute set before Elton came on. And so lots of people heard it and it went went in the American charts. I've watched some of those clips, actually. and My voice sounds pretty good, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It does. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit lower now, um, but I still do it in the same key. Right. But I blues it up a bit now because it's, uh, you know, you can twist that song around quite a bit and have fun with it
2: and it was quite apt in terms of it being the kiki d band because it biased for who was your keyboardist and he actually wrote i got the music in me didn't he
0: yeah he did yeah i mean he's a lovely man and uh great great keyboard player um yeah he came i asked him if he had any up-tempo songs for you know for one of the tours and he said well i've a couple you know and this music in me had been on the shelf for a couple of years at the publisher so yeah, we got it out and because uh, I was writing a lot of slow, little slow songs, quite emotive songs, and so this was a bit of a departure. But I think at that time, because I was a young adult now, I was quite influenced by, you know, the singer-songwriter scene that was going on in California with Joni Mitchell and people mm. like that. By the way, Carmelo and I met Joni Mitchell last year. Much to our excitement, mm. I, went, I played Dodger Stadium with Elton on his last North American tour. We did Jungle Break in My Heart so that was a thrill but yeah I think I was influenced by you know and Elton used to send me albums he sent me a Jackson Brown album in the early 70s so yeah he's amazing
2: Go breaking my heart. Obviously, a huge hit with Elton. That put an accelerator to your career.
0: Thank goodness I'd had a couple of hits and I'd had the experience yeah. of celebrities <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because it was gonna, it wasn't going to be a duet. I was going to do a few backing vocals on the track, and Gus Dudgeon said, you know, we should do this as a duet. And the video was done in twenty minutes, and it was all very random, really, and just a nice song. No one was attached at all, and isn't it funny that it became so global and everlasting? But, I mean, an interviewer once said to me on a questionnaire interview, he said, don't go breaking my heart, milestone or millstone? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's a bit of
2: both, really. There's a great album of yours that was recorded in that period but wasn't released until relatively recently, Cage the Songbird.
0: Yeah, I know. It's weird. It seems
2: such a lost opportunity. It was a fabulous record.
0: Thank you. You know, I've had a couple of albums that didn't get released, and I think it's this identity thing. I've always had it. We were talking earlier about being eclectic, and someone used once said to me actually years ago, you know, if you if you've been born in the in the west of Ireland and your father was a fiddle player in a in a folk band and you'd grown up in that world and that's what you did, it's almost easier. But I had all these early influences, you know, Tamla Motown and the pop records from the 60s that were going on and I think I've learned to embrace that wide range that I've always had in terms of material but I think it was very hard commercially if you weren't one thing in those days.
1: She left in rouge upon the mirror A circle kiss to the faithful fans who miss her You can cage a songbird But you can't make her sing You can trap a free bird But you'll have to clip her wings and she she'll soar She died. She'll die. She'll die.
2: I've spoken to uh, Bill Schnee, the producer and engineer, before, and one of his favourite moments from his whole career in the studio was working with you to record Stay With Me. Wow. He talked to me about really pushing you with that vocal performance and trying to get that balance to get it out of you without pushing you too much. Do you recall that moment of recording that track?
0: I remember the challenge of it because the Lorraine Ellison record was an all-time classic. And I thought, what am I doing singing this song? And uh it's quite vocal, isn't it? Yeah. That he got out of me. Carmelo always says actually that his records, because he was an oh, engineer. His he's records. Great, have been yeah. fantastic. They always got great sound. Yeah. yeah. What a lovely man as well. Um, I haven't spoken to him in years. It's a funny the the nature of, of music and having a long career. It's funny how you you meet people, you're very intimate with them. And you're sharing all these sensitivities, and then you don't see them again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you go on to the next one, and you've got all these people in your life that you'd love to chat with, but you never get round to it because you meet so many people. Mm. But, yeah, I would always wish him well. He was, And he, he did get quite a vocal out of me, I must say. Oh, that's
3: an amazing track.
0: Yeah. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could sing it in that key now, I'll tell you. Gosh.
3: Sounds like you needed to gargle with Listerine for a week after that.
0: <laughs> Oof. No auto-tune in those days. No. <laughs>
2: Given my age as a child in the 1980s, there was one song that was on every single week and that was Star, and that was a hit for you in 81. Do you remember coming across that song and how that happened?
0: Well, I was working by this time with a producer called Pitt Williams, who's a lovely man, and uh, he worked with Status Quo and quite a lot of Yeah. rock bands. But, I mean, it's not Carmella's favourite song. We don't do it live, actually. It doesn't. It's the one that doesn't fit. We haven't been able to make it fit with what we do and when we don't go we do a slowed down version but I think it was a great record um, but it was very much again something other yeah from the other stuff I'd done but it was you know there's no doubt and the lyric by Doreen Chanter was definitely before its time you know it's talking about the star system isn't it and imagine that that you believe what you read you know it's quite a lyric
2: into the late 80s, another side of your career, which is moving in, into theatre work. That must have been really interesting and a, a different a dynamic as an artist as well.
0: Yeah, I think music, it came at the right time for me. I was asked to audition by Bill Kenwright to do Blood Brothers because Barbara Dixon had done it in 81 and the production hadn't lasted for some reason, although she did a great job. I don't know why it didn't. I think the theatre wasn't booked or something ridiculous. So in eighty-seven, Bill Kenwright took it over and I got the part and I had three weeks from the day that I got the part to get up and perform the lead. Skin <sighs> something. I don't think I've ever worked as hard in all my life. I had my script under my pillow at, at night. And if I woke up in the night, I'd just learn another line and another song and another dance step. But what an experience, you know. I think musically, I think I needed a break. You know, I'd started so early. And it was really work a day. And I loved working with a team. And I got to work with some actors, you know, like Con O'Neill and Sarah Lancashire, that were just so good. And eventually I got nominated for a Laurence Olivier Award. I got pipped to the post by Patricia Rutledge, but I didn't mind because I'm not an actor. And uh yeah, I mean, I have to confess, towards the end, after doing doing it for a long time, and then leaving, then coming back, I was actually like a prisoner in a cell. I was ticking off the days when it was going to be finished this last run you know I must have done over a thousand shows Ooh, but what an amazing musical yeah blood brothers big one I'd say it's uh, one of the top experiences that I've had in my life doing that show Rock and roll are the games
1: you play fly see your name in lights. temporarily social suicide oh, oh oh don't you tell me it's birth Next week, who knows? Oh, 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 don't you tell me it's wrong.
2: The 90s, you became a, a musical duo and embarked on a whole new phase. How did you guys meet and how did you come to, to make music together?
3: Well, I mentioned Steve Brown earlier. He sort of discovered Elton's, you yeah, know, your song. And he worked actually, at, yeah, at Elton's publishers, yeah, James, DJM, yeah. yeah and he, he produced Elton's first album. uh He left the music for the business for a while, then he came back as uh, Elton's sort of creative manager for many years. And I'd I'd worked for him for various projects, and when you said Pipped at the Post, uh, Elton and Kiki had another hit just before I met her, True Love. Yeah. They were Pipped at the Post to the number one spot of Christmas by Mr. Blobby. <laughs> and uh, anyway, but on the back of uh, that, there was a very best of Kiki, a uh, D album, and I was brought in to produce a couple of bonus tracks, and that's when I heard her, and I about, I just flipped, really. and. Steve went, you know, he uh, obviously went way back with Kiki, and both of us at that time came more from sort of band backgrounds, you know. And uh, we went on a, like a radio tour where you know an acoustic guitar, every radio station, a quick interview, quick song, and then he started saying, "When you play an acoustic, there's something happening." And I said, "Oh yeah," and, uh, and he encouraged us to get together to write and and more or less say, "Well, okay, where you are in your careers." it was much more about painting your own painting regardless of what's going on around you commercially and that's what we started doing and it and that's really the direction we've been in ever since it's always about experimenting let's try this let's try that i mean it's been a, a wonderful so far 29 years for for me uh, you know it's amazing working with kiki she's so we're, we're at a stage now for writing for instance you know, I mean, I've written with several people. We're just—if you've got, you know, a ridiculous idea, you're not embarrassed at all to come <laughs> up with it. You know, and they're just, "That's oh, no, a load of rubbish," you know, and you just get on to the next. You know, we're we're so past all that. But part of the mission, if you like, has been: I want the world to see all the other sides to Kiki, other than that song. You know, and uh, there is so much depth to her creatively in so many ways, and. And hopefully we're still on that journey, if you like. You know, it's just been brilliant. So that's how it started. And uh, we went from there, under Steve's sort of guidance to start with.
2: I'd chosen Forward Motion to close the show. Wow, wanted to check with you guys if you felt that that was a a good song to close or are there any others that you you feel might be good to cover?
0: I mean, that would suit me.
2: That
3: represents Kiki, you know, Forward Motion. That is one of the big reasons, you know, I love the fact that Kiki wants to move on all the time. And I want the world to see her as a forward-looking artist, you know, not a retro artist. And uh, so that is about moving forward. Yeah. We, we enjoy doing it. I mean, live is slightly different. I talked earlier about the loop pedal. I go bonkers at the end. And that was, I, I just, <laughs> until it, it's, it's just distorting like mad, <laughs> you know, it sounds horrible, but it's very exciting. And I, and I, I get a little carried away
2: sometimes sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, so
3: forward motion. Why
2: not? Yep. Brilliant. A final opportunity to mention your your imminent dates across the UK from the 7th of September and, you, and I can see dates on on your website Kiki and Carmelo which go in, into November. So if you live in the UK or are able to travel over there's there's no excuse not to get down to one of those shows. Oh. oh and- well,
3: we're into next year as well actually. There's loads coming up. But even next year we're just our agents put them in there it? yeah come on then while we can
0: let's there get will out there will be a year when i can <laughs> stamp up next year I don't... but i was going to say thank you so much for for such a thorough research on us as yeah. well it's made it a real pleasure to talk to you
3: yeah thanks jason and and obviously the fact that you like some of what we've done that's that always that, helps that's <laughs> obviously a job done for us
2: too you know it's what it's about you know so thank you it's my pleasure to talk to you both of you and thank you so much fantastic
0: thank you so much
1: Doesn't mean it's over When you're undercover Through a somber light Till you get what you need Drive where the spirit takes you Where the clouds won't break you Drive like a true believer Like a true believer Memories still live on There's no tomorrow When the tires are broken Through a somber light Till you get what you need Drive where the spirit takes you Where the clouds won't break you Drive like a true believer Like a true believer We still live on Oh, people I know are shining down on the night Like sun on the ocean Bring on a forward motion Do you get what you need? Try